Hello and welcome to Elevate to Success, a podcast about ideas and insights in project management and being a project manager. Each week we will deliver the best casual setting discussions and analysis to help you with ideas you're struggling day to day as a manager, a director, or on an executive level. Hi and welcome to episode 9, the struggles of a product owner and scrum master. Today's date is 11-10-2019. My name is Lloyd Philip B and I have today Chris Detmering. Chris is a Senior Product Manager for Experian Consumer Information Services North America. Chris has managed many technical agile teams in Fortune 500 global companies and he's worn many hats such as configuration management, production engineering, consulting and diagnostics and change management. Chris grew up in a large dairy farm in Northwest Wisconsin and he graduated with a bachelor's degree in computer engineering from Milwaukee School of Engineering. Chris is also a skilled and certified PMP professional and an agile certified practitioner, PMI ACP, a certified product owner and scrum master and a scaled professional scrum practitioner. He's also an agile trainer. A fun fact about Chris is he enjoys and loves fishing. If he's not in the office, he's out relaxing and enjoying fishing. So in this episode, we're going to be talking about the struggles and many of the challenges of being a product owner and scrum master. You know, product owners and scrum masters are key roles in a software development effort. Product owners seek to develop the product roadmap of what epics and features to build, uh, when to build them, and in which order to build them. According to scrum.org, scrum product owners is a sole person responsible for managing product backlog. Here are some of their primary activities. Giving clarity to the product backlog. Prioritizing the stories in the product backlog to best achieve goals and missions. You know, optimizing the MVP of the work of the team that the team performs. You know, making sure that the product backlog is available, transparent, whether it's on, it's on yellow stickies on the wall or a scrum tool used online. The product owner also helps the team understand items in the backlog. Though some of these activities are just, you know, strictly straightforward and it appears to be very simple, you know, product owners encounter so many challenges that impact the sprint cycle, productivity of the team, and MVP. Now, for the Scrum Master, this is also a vital role to the success of the project. The Scrum Master serves as the glue to the team. They support the entire team, helps with the agile development of the team, facilitates all of the team ceremonies. Um, the Scrum Master uh, also ensures the team aims to deliver the maximum value to the customer. So this is what our discussion and, and talk will be today. So uh, hope you enjoy. Thanks. So the level of, I guess the type of struggle is different for each of the different organizations I've been part of. It all, it all depends on your role as the product owner and, and kind of what, who you have access to. So I've been in roles where the product owner has direct client access and you're actually going out to the client and looking at you know, how they're doing things, how they're using the systems and gathering their requirements in real time, like actually seeing how they use the system and bringing that back and uh, as the product owner making those user stories, at high level epics and, and building your backlog in that manner. Then you have the kind of flip side of the spectrum where as a product owner, you may only have access to project managers or account executives who are the ones who are out talking to the client. So you're two or three people removed from the actual end product. 
And so the, the struggles are, from a product owner's perspective are, are a little bit different in both of the scenarios. And then you also have a, a third scenario where the product owner is really just responsible for the development team, and then you have a product management layer who's the one either interfacing with the client or is also kind of stuck in the path of interacting with just sales who is interacting with the client. So there you're, you're like three or four steps removed from the final product. And so the, the struggles are different for each of those different levels. And so at the, the one end of the spectrum, you know, if you're working with the client, it's really challenging to, to find a product owner and to be a product owner who can handle all of the client-facing aspects of the job as well as technical enough to understand the, the development side of the house. And so it's, it's really interesting sitting and trying to pull those requirements out of the client and seeing and understanding what they're doing and, and translating that over. And so that can be a challenge in itself. But then on, on the other side, it's trying to be able to pull out of a product manager or sales executive exactly what the problem is that the client's trying to solve. Because a lot of those people try to solutionize. They come to you with solutions. They want you to build this thing. And so it's really trying to change the discussion and trying to change that conversation to be, what is the problem? And getting the organization comfortable with bringing problems to you rather than bringing solutions to you. Um, so as a, as a product owner, I understand my team and I understand our technology and I understand what we can develop for you. So if you come to me with a solution, you've already knocked out all of my team's um, experience and kind of expertise because now we're kind of pigeonholed into this one idea when really if, if you came to us with this problem, you know, you, we could have come up with a possibly more elegant solution or a more simplified solution to meet the need. Um, so it's, it's definitely challenging getting to the root of the problem. Yeah, I can see that where that, that makes sense because in a lot of shops, people, <laughs> they, they provide you the solutions already. Yeah. And they don't give the teams the creativity to, like exactly. you said, to create a possible elegant solution. So, so there you have so the struggle with, with identifying what you should make. Right. Then there's the struggle of priority. Right, so if you're in a large organization, you may be one of 20 product owners mm -hmm. in, a, in a business unit. And so in that case, you know, you're trying to fight for priority for your items and prioritize when you know, all of a sudden you have an escalation and your work is deprioritized or your high performers pulled off your team to work on another high priority project. And so it's really one of the, the big struggles I've always had is, is around priority and getting management and, and stakeholders to agree upon priority and sticking to it once they've agreed to it. I mean, kind of pushing back on escalations. Yeah, that, that, I can see that as a very large struggle. What, what do you think about product owners that provide solutions? And they don't allow their teams to be that creative. Or I've been be guilty elegant. of it. It's, it's really hard. It's really so, hard not to do. Yeah. Um, well, you, you're coming from a development background as well, too, a technical yeah. development background. So you, 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 you know the architecture. You know, the, you know how everything works pretty much in yeah. the system. So it, it, you tend to provide some sol a solution. Yes. But, and... <laughs> And that, especially with new teams, like you come in and you're like, no, I know how to do this. I want you to build this thing. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's really just exercising that self-control and trusting your team that they know what they're doing. And sometimes it's, it's really difficult to, to kind of let go of that control 
and, and just allow the team to, to move forward. And so it's, it's taking that step back in the first few sprints and letting the team prove themselves. And I've never been in a scenario where I've stepped back and the team's failed me. I've always been impressed in the end and it's kind of taught me to kind of be more reserved when I'm delivering requirements and, and make things much more high level in my user stories and really leverage the creativity of the team, especially a high performing team. Because um, you know, nine heads are usually better than one um, and I may have thought of something because of a past experience, whereas if I'm throwing this idea out to this room of people, they can talk about it and the team will figure out what's best for everything. And I may participate in those discussions, but I usually try to remove myself, at least from the early portion of that, so that they come to me with ideas, I come to them with ideas, and then we can brainstorm additional ideas. I mean, and usually it's, it's much different than what I would have expected going in with my own idea. I've noticed, and you probably noticed this in the past, in your past experiences, where business analysts, so say you have, you, don't, you have an organization where you don't have product owners, and you're in an agile transformation mode, you're beginning to do agile transformation, but you have a, a bunch of business analysts, can they evolve into a product owner? And if they could, what are the things that they should you know, consider or start looking at or start building their knowledge of being a product owner? Because I know that business analysts, they're, they're very technical, they're very analytical, and everything is very sequenced and they, they look at solutions. So I think it all goes back to how your organization decides to implement their flavor of agile. And so in, in some organizations I've been part of, the product owner's not technical. They're, they're much more business oriented. In others, they've been extremely technical and not even client facing. Um, I've been in a couple that it, they're a mix of the two, but it's, it's not as common as you know, the one extreme versus the other extreme. And so it's a business analyst. I, I believe anybody can be a product owner. I believe with the right mindset and studying and learning and learning when to speak and when not to speak, um, anybody can bring to the team the, the necessary skills to be a product owner. And that was the hardest thing for me is learning when not to speak because I'm very opinionated. I always say I have strong opinions loosely held. Uh, and it's, it's hard for me not to be the first person to talk. And so learning that was very difficult for me. But once I started realizing the benefit it brought, it, it really helped the, the team kind of come up with their own persona and ideas and it built us into something stronger. And so a business analyst, I think, can bring a lot to a team as a product owner because they do have that process-oriented mindset that's, that's necessary to be a, a good product owner, but they also bring that technical understanding as well. And usually a business analyst is working with both the technical side and non-technical side. So that's coming in as a business analyst, you're kind of like one of those unicorn product owners where you can communicate to the client and you can communicate to the technical side. The problem is you have to get out of that mindset of you're going to set the requirements and they're going to build what you want. You have to get in the mindset of, I'm going to bring the problem and we're going to leave it to the team to come up with a solution. I'm not going to define the requirements. The team's going to figure out how to break my story apart to build what I need in order to solve my problem. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good point for them. Yeah, yeah, good recommendation on that one. 
Yeah. Yeah, I, I notice a lot of business analysts, they want to move into the product owner role or they're either forced into it and they, they want to learn more about it and what are the difference between what they're doing now versus what a product owner yeah. and it's, is It's about. important for them to get mentors and coaching in the Agile community as well um, because if you go in with the business analyst mindset, you're now bringing in waterfall ideas into Agile and, and you're going to disrupt high-performing teams because you're going to be in that requirements mindset. It's, it's a change in mindset. It is. It's a, that's a paradigm shift for some folks. It is. It is. <laughs> okay, Chris, let's flip over to um, the struggles of a Scrum Master. Mm. Now, so, you've probably seen this before. Um, a traditional product manager comes in, waterfall, doesn't know so much about Agile, and then gets thrown into a position as a scrum master. Now they're, they're struggling with a paradigm shift of a, a different mindset, a different uh, methodology from waterfall, SDLC, to now servant leader type uh, person. Yeah. <laughs> Do, have, have you ex ever experienced that? So, so more than product managers being thrown in that role is project managers is what I see dumped mm. into the scrum master role. And a lot of times, organizations just try to change their title from Project Manager 3 to Scrum Master 3, and they don't give them that training because, hey, they're used to managing teams and projects, they can do it. Um, I, I really think that training is a necessity for Scrum Master because they can make or break your team, and they can also be your largest advocate in the organization because they're really focused or should be focused on organizational transformation and communication. Um, so not only are they there to support the team, but they're also your outward-facing agile advocates across the organization to change larger cultural problems and to kind of raise those, those issues up to be addressed. And hopefully management's backing them and helping remove the roadblocks and the culture's adjusting as, as you grow into a more agile mindset. You know, there, there, there's a trend that I've been reading up on, and it's not here just in the U.S., but also abroad and international they're beginning to see more of a hybrid agile project manager. Hybrid in, in the sense where you're both, you're, you're, you're a scrum master, agile practitioner, and traditional project manager. Yeah. So there, you know, I, companies are beginning to kind of accept that type of new role. Uh, and, and, and I know it's difficult for a lot of scrum masters who follow an agile mindset then to jump into a new position or a position or change a position that says, okay, you're now an agile project manager, but it's a hybrid of both Scrum Master as well as a project, traditional project manager. Yeah, you start getting into like an identity crisis with that one because yeah, that's what you thinking. don't really fit into any community. So you go to, to agile meetups and, and agile groups and you know you try to you try to better yourself and learn from your peers, but they're not doing that because you know they're agile there then you go to like your pmi meetups with the the traditional project managers mm -hmm. and you really can't follow what they're doing either because you know you're only doing half of that and so it, it can really be challenging um as a as as somebody in that role um to help really just identify what your job is and what you should be doing and that's where um you know that's when you start you introduce the higher likelihood of introducing anti-agile practices, such as using story points as a reporting metric. Right. Because now I'm gonna have burn down charts, I'm gonna have all this, I'm gonna follow the SDLC for, for agile practices, I'm gonna give these beautiful burn down reports and you know, story points and you know, here's our velocity and it's this great you know, linear approach. And it, yeah, but then that's where you start 
destroying the agile side of things, but you're trying to be agile, and so you're not really delivering on the, the management standard e practice. E well, even though they want to see that, your, all your typical metrics and measurements of agile, burn downs, you know, charts, yeah. but they also want to see the SDLC chart, yep. left to right. Yep, right. they want those they, scan they charts, want those and scan they charts. want those, those uh, my favorite are roadmaps that go a year or two years out. Yes. I mean, I, I don't have a roadmap that's accurate beyond a quarter, and even after, at a quarter, like, <laughs> it's still not that accurate, and so I, as a product person, I usually make my roadmap for the quarter, and then I have further out, and I, I don't even define timelines beyond that, and it's, it's challenging, and management can really struggle with that, but it's... That's when you can leverage communities of practice within your organization, get together with your peers that are in the same role, and as your, your peer set, define what, what your deliverables are and what your kind of role is expected to be within the organization, and then kind of stand as that body of knowledge and help communicate to management you know, what, what the expectations should be. Um, as well as that opens up the door for communication so that you as a, a center of excellence or a community of practice can take feedback in from management to help adjust the practices to, to figure out what management needs as well as what the team needs. So if you're in a small shop and you don't have a community of practice, what do you do? Oh, that... You're, you're find, find communities of practice. So um, I'm part of many different agile meetups within Southern California. So that's a good and, point. Yeah, so yeah, I, I've meetups. been in small companies that are new to agile, and it was frustrating for me because there, is no, there are no peers for me to go talk to. Mm -hmm. So I went outside the organization to find peers. If, if you're not bringing coaches in, you should go find people that are practicing agile. Find those agile mentors. Find those people that are willing to go to Starbucks and talk agile with you for a little bit. And you can run problems past them and figure out how you should be communicating with your management on different items. And you know what's worked for them, what hasn't worked for them. Um, just because it's not in your organization doesn't mean there's not a community there for you to leverage. Yeah, that's so true. You know, I, I'd like what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to follow this trend. I think it's a pendulum. So, yeah. so I think. You know, it's going back five forward, years ago it? or so, yeah. it swung hard to agile and like everybody wanted, right. you know, the hard agile practices. And now it's kind of swinging back and it's, it's I've seen a lot more of that hybrid role right. and hybrid practices within organizations trying to uh, kind of level out and make the transformation easier because um, culture change is hard. And you know, especially when you know you're you're tied to revenue goals and things like that, people mm -hmm. want hard numbers, and so it's it's swinging. I think it'll level out somewhere in the middle, um, but I could be wrong. I, I hope to see it go more towards the agile side because you know I believe if you trust your teams and you empower them to to make products and to to do their work, that they'll be high performing. No, that's true. I, I've seen it work. I know you've seen it work. Yeah, I've seen it work great. And, and it's it's phenomenal what teams can do. Yeah, you know, if given the opportunity to say, okay, this is you know, you know, this is your area. Okay, you got you're we're, you're gonna go out and be creative. You're gonna go out there and explore and then you know figure out what we can do to build products. Yep. You know, fast and, and, and with quality. And and as much as everybody likes bottom-up agile transformation, it doesn't work and it just frustrates people because <laughs> I'm usually at the bottom and so I'm trying to convince upper management that what we're doing is okay. Um, one of the most successful agile transformations I've been part of, it came down from upper management. They said, we are going to be agile, you're going to go to training, you know, we're going to figure out what's going to work for all the different teams. We're not going to pigeonhole you into any one 
practice, you're going to figure out what you need to deliver your product and we're going to support you. So you tell us what you need, we'll get you that training, we're going to, what you have one year to, to get fully on board with Agile, we trust that you'll do the right thing. Where can I find those companies? <laughs> ah, that one was up in Seattle. It was a, it was a great time up there. Uh, and uh, it's, yeah, rare, it's very rare to, to find companies like that because they come, again, you know, a lot of the management, they come from different companies where they're not doing Agile or they're right. coming in and they're saying, okay, we're going to do it this way. And everybody believes their yeah. problem's unique. They think yes. we can't we can't transform like them because our problem's special, or you know we have we have different compliance or regulatory reasons that hold us back, or um, you know they they were able to do that because they have more funding, and it's you know everybody has the same problems, and so it's just embracing the change and being okay with a drop in performance for a period of time because right. change is hard. Right. No, I agree. That's that that makes sense. So what else do you think, uh, Scrum Masters? Oh, other, other, Scrum than, Master. you know, other than the regular stuff, I mean, you know, I know they have struggles with senior management. Oh yeah, so well that and you know, because I've been, I've played the role of Scrum Master, I've played the role of product owner, and the hard thing for me when I go into a team is identifying what my true role within the team is. Because I've gone in as a product owner, and I've had a weak Scrum Master, and I've kind of taken over that role. And so it's, it's a level of awareness to, to know your role within the team and to play within those boundaries, especially if you've played multiple roles in the past. That's true. You can carry multiple hats. You right. You can carry two hats as a product owner as well as a scrum master. Exactly. So and so once you start wearing those two hats, you've now displaced another person on the team. So either they don't feel like they're part of the team or, or they don't even know what they should be doing. Right. Um, that, and you're probably hurting the team because you can't do both jobs well. You, you need to focus on what your role is and play that role within that team, um, especially if you're capable of multiple roles. Um, so it's, it's definitely a challenge. And then there's the, the conflict between the Scrum Master and Product Owner. So as a Product Owner, I expect to have a healthy conflict between me and my Scrum Master mm -hmm. because that Scrum Master's responsibility is to, to protect the team and grow the team. Um, and so, you know, at times that may be, I may be the roadblock as the product owner and that scrum master may have to come to me and have a difficult conversation with me about going directly to team members and changing priorities and all of this. So there, there's definitely challenges between the, the scrum master and product owner and that they both need to have very strong um, understanding of their roles so that they can stand up for and protect their team as well as the stakeholders. But you, you know, Chris, you make a good point where product owners would bypass the scrum masters and, hmm. and go directly to the team members. But you also have engineering managers or yep. application managers that go directly to the, uh, to the team members and request work. Yep, and that's, that's where you need a strong Scrum Master. And I love having Scrum Masters and product owners that are not part of the uh, development organization or necessarily the product organization. It, where I've seen it most successful is they have their own structure within the organization. That way they don't have that you know, sense of, um, I'm going to get in trouble for standing up to a manager for going directly to a team member. So, you know, as, as a, a Scrum Master, I've never reported into to one of those structures and so I was able to stand in front of a, a development manager and say, hey, you, you have to go through the process. 
Um, this is why. Show them why they're hurting the team or how they're hurting the team. They may, be think that they may think they're helping the organization, but it's important to show and explain to them why they're not and how it's, it's hurting the team and that change in priority um, and how, it, how it'll impact everybody and the ripple effect it'll have. Um, and, you know, at, at times that's where the Scrum Master and Product Owner can both kind of uh, take that, that role and, and go talk to management and, and try to set expectations and manage expectations. Um, and it's, that's where you have team trust as well because you need your team members to let you know when people are going around the process. Because, um, you know, sometimes, especially early on in transformations, people aren't comfortable bringing those issues up in retrospectives you know, maybe their management's sitting on that retrospective. And so they don't want to say, hey, you know, I didn't get the stuff done that I committed to because, you know, manager ABC came to me with this escalation and I had to go work on it. Um, and so it's, it's really building that team trust so that they feel comfortable either asking management to follow the right process or coming to you as the scrum master or product owner and letting you know that somebody's going around the process. Right. right. And then on the flip side, it's important that this goes back to the top-down um, management uh, buy-in for Agile to work. And because if it's bottom-up, I'm going to go to a manager and say, hey, you know, I've decided you can't go directly to your team member because you know we're agile now. No, the, the organization needs to have that buy-in that this is the agile process and this is what you have to do in order to get work done. And so instead of me going to have the conversation on behalf of my team with the manager or the stakeholder, it's me going to have the conversation on behalf of the organization. Hey, we agreed to this set of practices I need you to follow them. You know, here's the impacts. Right. This is the feeling that it's it's causing amongst the team, and you know, you can even pull those emotional heartstrings on on management, and you know, let them know how the team feels. That's true. Hey, Chris. You know, these are great tips and ideas that you've unfolded in this in in this episode. I'm hoping that everybody that's listening today got it got a good sense of some of the struggles that you're facing and and, and getting some of these tips. So I, I think we can have a part two on this and, and kind of delve more into it. Overall, for this episode, I think um, we, we got some great ideas from you. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, it was a pleasure again. Yeah. I greatly <laughs> enjoy these. All righty. This is Elevate to Success. Your host, Lloyd Phillip B. with Infinity Bold. For more information on how we can help you with your project management, coaching, as well as mentoring, you can go to my website at www.infinitybold.com and send me an email. Please share this podcast and also tell a friend about us. Until then, keep it real.